We're here to make a dent in the universe or else why are we even doing this? I don't think I cut out all the fun stuff because that to me is the fun stuff. Build that audience because if you've got no one to sell it to, then it's just going to flop and die. And no one likes a floppy, right? I'm yet to meet a woman who just kind of grew up confidently in her body. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Nicole Brumner. Join my weekly conversations with really interesting people as I delve into the stories and experiences that make them uniquely them. Hello, hello, and welcome to another live podcast recording. And today I'm joined by Helen Pollock. Now, Helen contacted me and we started talking about her coming on the podcast. And I thought, actually, this is an opportunity for us to do something really special, which we'll discuss as we go along in this podcast. But Helen is the content doc and she helps business people and women especially, but all business people, to write that business book that so many people believe that they've got inside them. And I must say, writing my book was one of the best things I did. And again, we'll go into that. She is So she helps people tell their stories through books and building a coaching or consulting built business. I also, or She also recently became a founding partner in the Biz Book Foundry, a simple one-stop shop solution for self-publishing business book authors. And that's something that I'd like to delve into a bit as well. Her background is in marketing and PR. And in the past, she's worked for organizations such as Aston Martin, the Royal Shakespeare Company, and Blitz Game Studios. And since 2012, after having her eldest child, she's worked for herself, evolving her businesses to where they are now, doing profitable work that helps other people and makes her heart sing. Helen, thank you, thank you, Helen. It's great to have you here. Idea of actually doing a five-day course program for people. How did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? First off, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited uh, to be here and also so excited about what we're going to be doing over the next five days. So um, I regularly run, on average, once a quarter, my Get Unstuck With Your Book Challenge. And it's a free five-day challenge that really aims to help uh, aspiring authors to create a book skeleton by the end of those five days. Now, those are, book skeleton is my term for a table of contents. And I find that um, you know, a lot of the work that I do with clients is in those initial stages, uh, working towards creating a structure for your book. And that book skeleton then will act as a roadmap for getting the book written. So, yeah, I can't can't wait. There's so much good stuff we're going to cover. There is indeed. And I um, I wrote a book called Bricking It, which I just have a copy of right here. And I wrote this in 10 days. Now, the reason I wrote it in 10 days is because, as you're saying, Helen, I had a really good skeleton, a really good outline of exactly what was going to be in that book. So when I actually sat down to write it, I could just pick up the bit that inspired me at that particular time, get into the flow because I had children running around. I had my three kids running around at the time and I was on a skiing holiday and I was able just to pick up the bit that inspired me or I had all the bits together to continue with, write that, put it down and get to the other bit. So I know firsthand the importance of putting together this skeleton in writing. And that's why when when we spoke about it and we booked your slot for coming on the podcast and I was lying in bed that night and I thought, we could do so much better than this. I So I, just as a bit of background again, in uh, just at the first lockdown in March, I started a uh, an accountability, an author accountability a group on Facebook because I was convinced that during the first lockdown I was going to finally finish one of two books that I've partially written and so I, I started this group and I had 49 people join immediately and I thought it was just brilliant and I did a few posts I ran a few Facebook lives and it just fizzled out along with my books and that's why when when you contacted me I thought right this is a really really good idea so 
let's um before we look at what the course is let's just delve a bit more into your background talent where what have you done that has uh, put you on this path and working with these incredibly uh incredibly well-known brands such as aston martin and the shakespeare company so um i've always loved writing um and um i consider going into journalism after i graduated Funnily enough, um, my degree is, was in French and Italian. I love la foreign languages as well. Um, and so kind of, I guess I'm all about communication, you know, no matter which way you look at it. So I was looking to do something um, as a career where I could write for a living. And I considered journalism and um, I... <laughs> I went for an interview for a traineeship at my local paper but I think they you know they were expecting people to run their own car and live on something like six thousand pounds a year which even in the late 90s when I was you know um, when I graduated was not enough to live on so um, I then did um, a postgraduate marketing and management course and I learned about PR and, you know, PR also offers you the opportunity to write for a living. So but to be paid a, you know, quite a bit better than um, that traineeship at the local paper. So that's what I did. Um, I went into PR. Um, I've worked for agencies. I've worked in-house. Um, and it was all about the writing for me. So then when I had my daughter in 2011, um, she's now nine, I set up my own business because I guess I recognised for a long, long time I'd wanted to be an entrepreneur, I'd wanted to work for myself, um, to be in control of my own destiny. And when I had my daughter, I just knew that going back to corporate life wasn't an option. You know, corporate life isn't very family friendly I think it's fair to say um, so I set up my own Mandarin language school <laughs> wow that's random <laughs> yes it's called um, Little Dragons and I although I speak some basic Mandarin I employed teachers who did um, to teach the students um, but I worked at that for a, a few years there just wasn't enough profit in it um, I tweaked that business model every which way and it wasn't happening. So I set up my own um, PR consultancy after a few years. Uh, and that was yeah, the relief. And I think lots of entrepreneurs will know that feeling when you've been, well, you realise you've been kind of going against the tide <laughs> for a while. And then you, you suddenly realise and you pivot and you straight away you know I'm doing the right thing yeah. it's feels right and it was profitable from the outset so very soon after doing that um someone I've been working with in a few different ways for a couple of years asked me if I would be up for ghostwriting a book for him um, he was already a best-selling author but he now didn't have the time to to write his next book so I said yes, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then more people heard that I was doing that, and so um, people started coming to me and asking me about ghostwriting for them. And then people started coming and saying, well, Helen, I, I know I want to write my book by myself, but I also know I need some support and accountability, so could you help me with that? And I thought about it, and I thought, well, yeah, I totally could. <laughs> so that's kind of how the book coaching arose. Um, and, um, you know, that's the rest is history. We've got Clive Wickland here says three cheers for books. Thanks to your experience and insights here. Forgive the blatant flag waving. But if you're looking for luxury, sustainable printing company, well, we'd love to hear you at Kingsbury Press. So, <laughs> Clive, we don't mind the blatant flag waving. <laughs> Not at all. No, the, the books are an incredible door opener and I know myself having written my book it's just 
it's it's made me an author it's made me a best-selling author and that's something that I always have and I unlike you I say that I'm an author I'm not a writer whereas you're a writer you write for a living and you you know how to write whereas I have written a book <laughs> and that makes me an author not a writer so I just wanted to make that distinction but uh, that must be it must be a challenge for you if you are working with authors not writers to help them craft something that is a thing of beauty <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um i think as a ghostwriter the biggest challenge is successfully capturing somebody's voice um and i think you know i probably i can quite safely speak for all ghostwriters when i say that's one of the main things that we're doing when we're when we're speaking to clients where we're listening out we're getting a sense of their character and we're also thinking about um maybe phrases that they use often that kind of thing turns of phrase that are unique to them um with book coaching you don't have the issues with voice because the author is um is writing their own book um i think it's again it comes back to structure is usually the biggest issue um because as you say you know when you were writing bricking it because you had that structure you've got the roadmap. whereas I think the trouble is so many people um you know they want to write a book and they're completely fixated on the writing and there are so many things that you need to do before you put pen to paper and if you just start writing you'll grind to a halt or your book might not be um quite you know focused in the right way for your audience or actually for your own needs and you know where does this book fit into your goals etc so there are so many things that you need to have to have done and have sorted out before you can successfully start writing your book. Yeah, and I think it's important to say here that sometimes the goal isn't to be a bestseller. And I know for me, it wasn't to be a bestseller, but the goal for writing my book was to just for my own self, just to say, I have now written a book and I just wanted to get my story down there. And so for me, that was my reason. And the fact that it did end up being a bestseller is, is fantastic. But I've always got that book and I can always say I'm an author. So I think that that's quite important for people to realise that you don't have to be a bestseller and you don't have to, even if 100 people read your book, that's fantastic if they're the right 100. And, and that must be a hard mindset for people to get over as well yeah and definitely you know the, the the publishing industry has completely changed over the past few years um, particularly with the growth of self-publishing so um you know again going back to i generally specialize in um business books and actually finding a traditional publisher for a business book might not be what you need to you need it might not suit your your purposes um so yeah i guess things have really been turned on their on their heads um in recent years in publishing but you know you could write an ebook fairly short ebook it, you could use it as a lead magnet or you know um perhaps you um you want to be able to say you have a, a best-selling book um which isn't as as hard as it would once have been to achieve that i did um, it <laughs> and um yeah so you know if you want to perhaps get more speaking gigs or um yeah, establish yourself as an authority in your field it's all quite doable now yeah that's right and i think that um yeah, it's, it's important to look at the different types of publishing because it's very, very rare that many of us are going to get a book deal, right? It's just not going to happen. And I think we have to manage expectations in that regard. Uh, unless you are Miranda Gore-Brown, who, who I had on my last podcast, you're not going to get that book deal. You are going to have to either go via a, a hybrid route 
or mm-hmm. a self-published route. Can you talk to us about the various self-publishing routes? Sure, yes. Um, I think the the first thing I want to say is um, that, you know, there was hitherto a bit of a stigma around self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not the case now. And I, I think it'd be really useful to tell people some of the um, kind of myths, like to explode some of the myths about self-publishing. So um, the first one is that if you get a traditional publisher, um, you they will market your book for you. Now, of course they will, they will, but they will also expect you to bring a significant audience to the table. And that will now, that will make up part of their decision-making process. So, you know, you could have fantastic content, but if you also don't have any audience, then they might not give you a book deal. Um, And what would be the audience that they would be after? Can you quantify that? Uh, well, I tell you what. Um, one of the uh, things that I like to do is, if you go to the submissions page on the Hay House um, Publishers website, they have a form, and you have to. That's the only way they will accept submissions now. Um, if you and if you look at that form, it will give you a really good idea of the sort of numbers that they're looking for in terms of email lists. Um, and uh, social media profiles too and it's like you know it's in the thousands it's not <laughs> so um, it's quite considerable numbers but the good news is that you can start working on that now and, and really you should start working on that now before you ever start writing your book you need to build the audience first so when people think oh you know it, if I go down the self-publishing route, I'm going to have to do everything by myself. Well, you know, you'd still have to do that audience building work if you went down the traditional publishing route too. Um, so, yeah, there are some hybrid publishers where, um, you know, you you do a lot of the stuff yourself, but then at the end you um, can get their help with publishing your book and they will market it quite widely Um, they will get you distribution into bookshops for example which is a lot harder to achieve as as an indie self-publishing author um, you know pure self-publishing author Um, and then um, so for authors who who want to just do it all themselves I mean those kind of hybrid deals can be quite expensive Whereas if you self-publish by yourself, um, so I I set up the BizBook Foundry with my business partner, Catherine Williams, in July this year. Um, And the reason was, so I hitherto had helped people to write their books and I had nothing at all to do with the publishing and production phase. So, um, but my um, Catherine was um, an accountability buddy of mine in a small business marketing community we were both members of. She's a layout designer, a book layout designer. And she's, uh, you know, got 20 odd years experience of production and publishing. So we'd, uh, we'd have these monthly board meetings and I think it was like in I've been thinking about this for a couple of months. I think in April I said to her, uh, so Catherine, I keep getting people asking me how much it will cost to self-publish their book in it, in its entirety, you know, the writing, the production, the publishing, everything. And at the moment I'm sort of saying, well, <laughs> you know, how long's a piece of string? Because there are lots of different decisions you have to make along the way. There are there are lots of different um, prices for for different the different skill sets you need along the way. There are so many variables. It was really hard for me to give a, you know a definitive answer. And I don't like being in that position. I like to just be able to say right, it'll be this much, and um, you know, and that's it. So Catherine also had people approaching her. And um, so bear in mind, she's a layout designer, but she she also um, can project manage the whole public, sort of publishing process uh, and production process. 
she was having people coming to her saying they hadn't even written their book, Nicole. And they were saying, I haven't written my book yet, but I just wanted to find out, you know, how much would it cost? What would the process look like, etc." Um, so we joined, decided to join forces and create the BizBook Foundry where it literally that, you know, you have a, a certain price and it's from idea to finished files for upload. And we can help you do that, too. We've accessed all the skill sets you'll need and we've, we're using people we know are good. So you don't have um, although you're self-publishing. Uh, it's, you know, you've got a bit of help and support along the way. So that's kind of how that came about. Um, and just uh, how, how much does it cost to self-publish, if you can give a, a range? Sure. Um, so um, I guess we, so we have three different packages and we also have two different book lengths. Um, so <laughs> because we wanted to kind of keep it simple, but by the same token, um, some people, uh, just want to do like a short ebook only version of their book. And so, you know, we needed to have a standard length version for print and ebook. And then we needed to have, um, a, um, an ebook short short form ebook version so i'm i'm literally i'm going onto the website um so we have ghostwriting which is the completely done for you writing and um a standard length print and ebook package with ghostwriting support so that's for you know 30 to 50,000 words that's about 15,000 pounds mm-hmm. um with so people have a, an idea this book yeah. here, my book, is that was, I believe, 45,000. I think we got it down to 40 in the copy editing phase. So that is how many pages? There's a few blank ones at the end. But that's 166 pages, and it's quite a big-ish type set. So that just gives you an idea of what 40,000 40, words looks like as a book. Absolutely. Um, and then with book coaching, where, you know, I would help you with the structure, getting absolutely crystal clear about your reader avatar, doing research into both your um, your audience and uh, competitors to work out, you know, what the, the, what, what the optimum content is for your book, um, all that kind of stuff, working out your professional and personal goals, where the book fits in, all that kind of stuff creating the structure and then supporting you to write that book that would be about it's about eight thousand pounds um for that and then for short form ebook only we're looking at about eight thousand for ghostwriting and about five and a half thousand for um short form ebook with book coaching so i hope that gives people a bit of an idea we also have a, an online court writing course option if people have got a very limited budget then um they can go down that road um as well which is a bit a bit cheaper so yeah hopefully that that so there, yeah. lots of price points and options available we've got a question here and this is a very good one and one i was going to raise as well i would be interested to know your views on self-publishing audiobooks the ultimate vanity project or worthwhile but expensive promotional activity so the interesting thing is um, publishing an audio book is quite reasonable. Um, now, with, with BizBook Foundry, we've got sort of some sort of optional extras and, and aud- creating an audio book version is one of those. And I think it's surprisingly you know, reasonably priced. Um the ultimate vanity project? No, I don't think so. Um, do you need to do one always? Or no, no. And, you know, this is why we need to do audience research, because uh, we need to ask our audience, well, which format do you want to receive my my book in? Um, 
audio books have grown massively in popularity. I know that like my sister-in-law, um, I put something, um, uh, a, fa- a social media post, book, post out on Facebook a couple of months ago. And uh, my sister-in-law put a comment and she said, I've read one book in, lock- in lockdown 1.0 in the UK, uh, but I've listened to nine during that time so I do think there is a shift there are two things I think there's a shift towards people listening to books because they can fit audio books into their lives in in a way that they can't fit reading a print book in so you know it's, it's not the same places you listen to a podcast isn't it it's it's at the gym or it's um you know going for a run or it's on your commute to work you can be listening to um to an audio book um and the uh, yeah, I think people have just become much more. Um, it's just become much more common to listen to content. But there are also people who who wouldn't read a book. You know, um, my other half is dyslexic, and if he had the the choice, he would always listen to a book rather than read it. So you might have a whole new audience through publishing via audiobook that, that you know you would not actually have, have read your book in any other format. So, yeah. Absolutely. And what we're seeing now is exactly, and that was the point I was going to make, is people like my partner and his brother who are, who do not read books at all, they are now listening to audiobooks. And it is, as you say, opening up a whole new uh, group of people who otherwise wouldn't read. This morning I did a, a podcast with two lovely guys, Rob and Tom, and they were talking about books. And that was their question. Is it an audiobook because we don't read books? What's interesting for me is that I did record an audiobook as well, and I would highly recommend that people do. But mm. people said to me, before I did it, and mind you, I'd been doing podcasts for about a year at that point. They said, oh, don't read your own. Get a professional narrator to do it. And I thought that was odd. Yeah, I, I guess it really depends. Um, you know, again, there, there are people I know um, who would not be comfortable narrating the book themselves um I, I think it's a it's a personal choice but I also know that I, I don't think anyone is going to be able to read a book with I guess the the feeling behind it better than the author so I think it's a personal choice and um so you know I know the the produ- the audiobook producer we work with at um at BBF he is also a voiceover artist so he can offer people a choice of either being the producer so he listens as they do it and you know can um pick things up and and also stuff like um we often are looking to break up walls of text in a book by perhaps adding in um, images or uh, charts or you know tables. Think about how you, you're going to uh, attack those in an audio book because obviously your your readers aren't going to be able to or your listeners aren't going to be able to see those things. So there are lots of things to consider and I, I would definitely uh, recommend people getting some professional help because as I say it's really surprisingly reasonable. <laughs> it, and it's really, I found it really challenging actually narrating my own book because it was days in a recording studio with a producer saying, stop. I had my headphones on and he'd say, lovely Alan, hi Alan. He would say, stop, right, start that paragraph again. And then I came in for the final day where he'd listened back through it again and picked out words that weren't clear, I'd not pronounced properly, and obviously with my Aussie twang, I found it really hard. And also, you have to speak slower than you normally would (laughs) in order to get the expression, and you have to be more enthusiastic. And as the end of the day was waning, (laughs) I would be sounding like this. And he was saying, right, smile when you talk. So I was having to keep the smile on my face and talk slowly and with lots of energy. (laughs) And I found it really quite difficult. But um, the other thing that's quite interesting, quite new is 
uh, Paul, my partner, got really excited by the David Goggins book, which I think people, or audio book, which people have uh, really, really gone for and recommended listening to it in the audio format. And that's because the way that they've broken up the book is to have interviews throughout it. So it's narrated by a narrator and then they stop and that narrator then interviews David about that part of the book. And I think that's a fascinating way. And that's something that I'd like to explore with my next book. Are you seeing things like that within the audiobook publishing? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard a lot of good things about um, the David Goggins book. Um, and, you know, it's like any format. Yeah, how, how can we innovate within that format and, and make it better? Um, so I, I've been working with a client, uh, a standard sort of book coaching client. And I have to say, I'm not God's gift to audiobooks. <laughs> I wouldn't pretend to be like, you know, I don't have, um, I, I'm not an audiobook producer. So um, I, I can't, you know, say too much about that. But just within writing, um, I'm a big fan of of mixing things up shaking things up a bit so um I've got a I'm, I've been working with a client recently and um she is just a fabulous fabulous woman um and she I suggested based on something that she does in her um social media posts that she approached her book in quite a, a um a unique way. I know we bandy that word around a bit too much, but you know, genuinely, I think as a business book, this is going to be this is going to stand out. Um, and she is um, quite a real character, actually, but she still faltered sort of along that path. Um, and came back to me and sort of said, oh, oh, are you sure this is, you know, this is going to be okay? And, um, and uh, you know, it absolutely is the right thing for her. And we know that because we know from the research that we did at the beginning, um, you, you know, we know that this is going to be fine. But still, to do something a bit different um, makes us feel quite uncomfortable, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it's about um, having someone, I guess, like yourself behind us to to push us down that path, which we're going to explore in a moment. But we've just had this comment uh, I, from LinkedIn. I had a professional actor with film credits and roles on UK soaps read Shelter Rock. When I heard it for the first time, it was as if it was written by someone else and a better book than I could have written, which I think you mean narrated. So, yeah, mm -hmm. look, that's it, again, it's up to you. Whereas I really felt that for my book, I it was my story, and there were parts of it where I get emotional because it is an emotional story. Well, it's my story; it's emotional to me, and I felt that no one else would be able to portray the emotion like I did, which is exactly what you said, Helen. Mm -hmm. And also about the just to go back to the hybrid versus self-publishing, I mm -hmm. went down a hybrid route and. For me, it was great because I had the full support, the copywriting, which was excellent. I don't ever think anyone should scrimp on copywriting because like the LinkedIn user there said, the copywriter made my book a better book. It's, it's kind of like makeup, okay? You wake up and you look all right. You put makeup on and you just go ding. <laughs> and it's kind of like that. The a copy editor, uh, puts the makeup on your words, I think. Uh, so I just think that um, that was the best thing for me was to work uh, with with the uh, with this copy editor, and I would recommend that for everyone. The other thing is the layout, of course. But the one thing I will say is the reason I would veer down the self publishing route next time, perhaps, is because I don't have any access to live statistics. So I believe, and perhaps we can talk about this, that if you self-publish on Amazon, you can then have the live day-to-day -day statistics. So if you run a bit of a promotion on your socials, you can actually see how that how sales react to that. Whereas for me, I only get a uh, twice annual uh, statement saying how much I've, uh, how many books I've I've sold and how much I get, which 
again this is not a get rich quick screen <laughs> i think my i think i've only just paid for the amount that my uh, book has has cost me mm. and I did mine years ago when it was much cheaper, I will say, and also it was a bestseller. So I sold a lot of copies initially and it's mm. only just paid for itself. So please also keep that in mind. But is that one of the benefits of self-publishing that you can get these live statistics? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that I really want to <laughs> just underline the point you've just made, Nicole, that you know, never write a book thinking you're going to get rich doing it, particularly if it's like a business book. This book needs to have a purpose within the, your greater sort of business ecosystem. Um, so, but yeah, I think, um, so Catherine, my business partner in BBF, is is really passionate about the fact that authors should keep hold of their ISBN. And with the hybrid publishers, they keep hold of the ISBN. So what does that mean? Well, under UK law, authors will have the copyright of their for their work. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's written in law. You don't even have to put a C, you know, nothing. It's, it's, it's there. You've got the copyright um, of your work. However, when you use a, um, a traditional or hybrid publisher, they will have they will buy and they will have the rights to the ISBN, um, which is the um, yeah the, the number that you, you you can probably visualise it. I'm just <laughs> oh, yes, there we go. That's on the barcode on the back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, can I just say this is my child's book. It just happened <laughs> to be there. Um, <laughs> But um, so that's the ISBN. Um, it's international standard book number. Um, and if that publisher were to go bust or if you fall out with that publisher, you can't reprint your book. Only they have the right to do that. So Catherine was adamant from the outset that, our, that, that all our authors would have control of their ISBNs forever so no matter what they can reprint their book they can edit it they can do whatever they want no they never have to speak to us again in the, <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't they might not want to but you know what I mean yeah. um, they've got control and this is where you know again um, when it comes to the stats as well if you self-publish and you can get support to do it. It, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything by yourself at all. You can get support to do that. But you have control. You have control, more control over your book. And you have control over the stats. You know where you are and where, you know, how your book's doing far better, I think. Yeah, and that, that is that to me is really important and uh, is a, definitely a consideration next time. It's just knowing what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. and how you can do that. Just a question that came to mind now is let's just say I wanted to, uh, like many people, they wrote a book a number of years ago, things have changed a little bit and they want to update their book. Does that mean that they, can, they reprint under a new ISBN or would they just update the initial one? No, a, a second edition would be a new ISBN. Um, and so we buy our authors. It's basically it's one of those things where you can each format for starters needs its own ISBN. So, you know, you have a print version. That's one ebook. That's another one. Um, Audio book. That's, that's another one. Um, and then if you have a, a second edition of any of those, that's again, that's another ISBN. So we, it's one of those things where to buy one, it's not that much more expensive to actually buy a block of 10. And so that's what we do. We buy a block of 10 for our authors. Well, they, they do, we, you know, we sort it out for them, but they buy the block of 10 effectively. Um, and then they've got, you know, as many formats as they like. And then if they have, you know, if they uh, write another book or if they want to create a second or, th or third or whatever edition they've got some um, ISBN numbers they're ready 
And would you recommend that people update their book or would or is it better just to rewrite a whole new book? Um, again, I think it really depends, doesn't it? It depends on the context of the book. Um, so I one so one thing, one book that I'm thinking of, um, I think Simon Zucci's uh, property magic is in its like I don't know tenth edition or something, and that makes absolute sense because um, the property market is constantly changing, the regulations are changing. Um, so for a book like that, it makes absolute sense for it to be updated every couple of years to take those things into account. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've ten, I've. <laughs> got a bit of a property book specialism um, over the years. I, I didn't necessarily set out to do that, but that's just kind of what's happened. I didn't um, realise. <laughs> <laughs> I, as a ghostwriter, it's a bit tricky to... Um, no, you can't name. <laughs> but also as a book coach, um, I'm, I've coached a few um, property folks. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would make absolute sense. But then if your book is about something where that isn't gonna well it doesn't need updating then don't yeah don't bother the great thing about books is the is their longevity um yeah there are there are so few forms of content that you can create and you know i think they say the average book um is read by you know as a copy of a book is read by six different people or something like that i, I can't mm. remember um so yeah a lot of people write a book with a, having a legacy in mind and and that's why because books are so such a long-lasting form of content so I does that answer your question I don't I think it, it depends is my answer <laughs> yeah no that that does let's take people through what they can expect over the next five days starting from tomorrow no problem at all so literally the first question you're going to be asked um when you when you say you want to write a book you speak to any publishing professional they're going to say who's going to read it then um so in terms of who's your ideal reader and what's your current audience size of those people. Um, so that's uh, day one is all about uh, doing a bit of an audience audit. Um, it was, it's funny because I did a series of interviews with um, publishing professionals uh, a few months ago. And so there was like a, a book marketing specialist. I interviewed Catherine, who's a layout editor. Um, I interviewed, interviewed an editor and proofreader, and you are so right having a copy editor it's that that's in all of our bizbook foundry packages because it's so important Essential. and even as a professional writer i would still always have a proofreader and a, and an editor and they are different skill sets um go through my work because you know you just become kind of word blind uh, after a while so anywho so that's the um, so anyway, I, I did this series of in interviews and literally it's the first question. I uh, the premise of those interviews was what are the three things that you would love um, authors to know before they come to you to use your services? Every single person that I um, interviewed said, um, who's your audience? So that's why we start with that question. Um, and, you know, it's definitely something that you need to be working on, building that audience. This is the number one reason why um, self-published books fall flat, because people haven't built an audience before they launch them. So please don't write a book that no one's going to read at all. Of your time and money and energy so let's start building the audience first day audience audit so the second day is working on that reader avatar 
and getting crystal clear about who this person is. And I, you know, people groan, oh, really, Helen? Do I have to do this? <laughs> Not another avatar. Yes, you do. Um, and don't forget that really the person you're doing this for the most is, is you. Um, because it will help you to, when you're writing, to have like a real person in mind and um, as close to a real person as possible. And it will just make it so much easier for you to write your book if, you, if you've done that. Um, and then I think on day three, we start um, working on the structure. So um, we're going to be trying to frame our story. And I use a modified version of um, something from the Reuters style book. And it, it answers, well, my, my one answers who, why, what, when, where, how, and so what. Um, and we want to be able to answer all of those questions. So who is this book for? What do you want it to do? Why are you writing it? Um, when, well, you know, that if it's a non-fiction book, there might be um, something relevant about timescales in there. Um, but the most important question is, so what? So, you know, what are people going to get uh, from reading this, out of reading your book? And then on Thursday, we start um, creating a reader journey. So what do you expect people to know before they pick up your book? And what is it that you want them to know by the time they put it down? And then on the Friday, we kind of bring everything together. And uh, we write the, well, I say Friday, it won't be. In this case, it'll be Sunday. <laughs> but at the end of the five days, day five, um, we will have um, a draft book skeleton so that table of contents where the structure is laid out and I call it a book skeleton because then you know you can start writing the content and adding the flesh to those bones so that is what the plan is okay that sounds really exciting and that is going to be in the author accountability uh, Facebook group and we're going to have a Facebook live every morning is that right Helen yeah, so I will hop on a, a little Facebook Live in the morning to um, to give you your task for the day. And don't worry, they're not very onerous. And I've created a load of um, easy-to-use worksheets. So um, that should be all right. And then you can ask any questions in the group in the day. And then I'll pop on in the evening and do a quick Facebook Live to answer any of those questions. And I'd also like, um, you know, I call them unstuckers because the challenge is called Get Unstuck. So I'd like the unstuckers to share, um, you know, what they've done in the day. So when they've created that reader avatar, take a photo, upload it to the group. Let's have a, let's have a look at it. And um, if you have any questions at all, then just let me know. And in that Facebook Live of an evening, I will do my best to answer your questions. Yeah, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that because... As I said, I've uh, I've mapped out and actually written one full book, and then uh, that was in the over the Christmas period of 2017-18, and then Gary Vaynerchuk published pretty much the same book that January, and I just thought, oh, I can't do that. So I'm looking at perhaps repurposing that and using that as a book because enough times elapsed since 2018 now for me to bring that out and mm -hmm. I think things have changed enough for, for that and then I've got a whole other one that I want to write as well that I'm researching at the moment so I'm looking forward to perhaps doing two books Helen <laughs> is oh, that crazy <laughs> no you can totally do that it sounds like number one's pretty much in the bag so yeah it is it just needs updating and yeah there are there are 53 members of that group now and kim's just put up the uh, links here in the in the court in the comments so uh, wherever you're watching you'll be able to see exactly where to do that and and how to how to join in with our accountability group and uh, sorry about my children coming in and disturbing me showing me the pizza that they've just cooked slightly worried <laughs> oh dear um yeah look I think this is this has been really informative Helen and I am as I said very 
uh, excited about joining this and seeing who joins in and what books that we can get. And then we've got a really special offer at the end as well. Is that right? Do you want to talk about that now? Or save that for the very end? <laughs> I guess I'll mention it now and I'll mention it, I'll just mention it tomorrow um, morning because I think, I guess that's kind of the elephant in the room and I, I don't want people to think they join this challenge and they're going to be sold to because that's not what this is about. So, um, you know, I'm launching a group book coaching program for the first time from January. I've, I've hitherto, and I think this is the third time I've said hitherto in this interview. <laughs> No one's counting, Helen. It's fine. <laughs> a regular hitherto, anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I was I wasn't going to launch that program until a little bit later on next year, but I also wasn't going to do get unstuck again this year. So I thought, heck, you know, I'll, I'll launch it. I'll I'll start this group but uh, coaching program, group book coaching program. It'll be Monday the 11th of January so if people do the challenge they'll be in a really great position and then we can get cracking as soon as the festivities are out of the way so it will be 2997 um, but I'm going to do a special deal only for your audience for 1997 and uh, that will not ever be repeated um, so but that is I'm, I will mention it first thing in the video tomorrow morning and then I'm not going to talk about it at all until the last day only in terms of you know sometimes people know that they they need a bit more support and that's what this is for um, and if you're yeah. absolutely fine too yeah and just on that it's this group is free we I want some support with mine so I thought it'd be a really great thing when Helen offered it up so the group is free so do join in and I really look forward to seeing what books come out of it it's very very exciting <laughs> do you know Helen, how exciting it is to see you know um so, so many different people with their different ideas and different audiences I love it so I can't wait yeah, it's so fun, the beginning of something new. So, Helen, thank you so much. Helen is the content doc, and she can be found on many different social media platforms, such as uh, Instagram, online, thecontentdoc.com, and on LinkedIn, Helen Pollock. So do find her everywhere. Helen, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So that is the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much. An hour goes so quickly when we're talking about something I'm really passionate about, which is writing books, because for me, it really did change my career. And even now I get this, when someone's reading out my bio, I just get this sort of glowy, warm feeling when they say best-selling author. And I think, oh, they're talking about me. That's me. I did that. And it was it was a high point in my life. So I'd encourage everyone to consider uh, yeah, writing their own book. Thanks, Clive. Clive's saying thanks to both of us. So thank you very much. Next podcast is going to be on Thursday, and that's with David Kemp. Now, David was a planning barrister before moving to become a planning consultant. And there have just been so many rule changes and judicial reviews coming on the planning industry and all these really confusing changes to commercial classes as well. So David's going to talk us through those and and just try and demystify some of those and see what we can expect. So one that is not to be missed. So thank you again and I'll see you in the author accountability book over on Facebook. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please support us with a like, comment, subscribe and share. And you can always join the conversation live across my YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn pages at 1pm every Thursday. See you there soon.